You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello. Today I'll be reading When You Say Nothing at All by Trenchcoat Baby. Chapters 1 and 2. The reading for this fic is explicit. The pertinent tags for this fic include Alpha Castiel Omega Dean Winchester, Mutual Pining, Crush at First Sight, Sexual Tension, Eye Sex, Character Study, Relationship Study, Alternate Universe College Slash University, Professor Castiel, Insecure Dean Winchester, Falling in Love, True Mates, Fluff and Smut, Scenting, Stanford Student Sam Winchester, Past Castiel Meg Masters, Everyone Ships Castiel and Dean, Fake Science, Miscommunication, Top Castiel Bottom Dean Winchester, Explicit Sexual Content, Happy Ending. When You Say Nothing at All, written by Trenchcoat Baby, read for you by Nerdy Nerdenstein. Summary. At Stanford University, Omega Dean Winchester and Alpha Castiel Novak are complete and utter strangers. Dean's on the ground screw, and Castiel is pursuing a PhD in literature. Under normal circumstances, their paths would never cross. But when they both agree to participate in an unusual case study observing alphas and omegas, the thesis project of anthropology major Charlie Bradbury, they find themselves alone and face-to-face for hours each week. The catch? They're forbidden to speak a word to each other, despite sharing an obvious and immediate crush. One might even call it true mate level. Oh, this is gonna be torture. Chapter 1, May Dean Winchester sighed and stretched, walking around the small confines of the room. He had signed the contract 15 minutes ago and was waiting for Dr. Bradbury to return. Or, uh, Charlie, as the petite beta redhead had insisted, since she hadn't technically graduated with her Ph.D. yet. 
He stared at the bland cement walls, gray-tiled floor, and dark oak table and chairs. Wow. So much for finding a distraction in here. You'd think a fancy-ass place like this could afford to put some paint on the walls. Dean chuckled, then reprimanded himself, shaking the amusement off his face. He had promised his little brother Sam that he'd stop commenting on the extravagance that was freaking Stanford. Sam had just finished his freshman year, and Dean had been working on campus for over six months in buildings and grounds. From the outside, they had acclimated just fine from Kansas to California. Yet, yet Dean was no closer to reining in his opinions about the college and its fancy halls and fancy classrooms and fancy fucking manicured lawns than he had been a year ago when Sammy had gotten his acceptance letter. He felt judged here by the students and the faculty, by everyone who saw his dusty work pants and calloused hands and thought other. The door to the small room creaked open and Charlie reappeared, a clipboard in her hand. She closed the door firmly behind her, apparently not wanting their conversation to be overheard. Weird. Hey dude, sorry for the holdup, she said. Her tone was brisk but conversational, and between her natural cheeriness and the Star Wars t-shirt peeking under her blazer, Dean liked her already. Well, as much as he liked anyone who had drunk the Stanford Kool-Aid. Castiel had, like, a zillion more questions about this whole thing than you did, she said. Castiel? The name sounded strange and foreign in Dean's mouth. What the hell kind of name was that? Latin or some shit? Yep, Castiel. He's the other participant in the study, Charlie explained. He's, well... Charlie pursed her lips as if just realizing something. Considering the conditions of the study, I shouldn't say anything else about him. She bit her lips, thinking, Damn, that's going to be super hard to remember. Dean just shrugged. He was unconcerned by his lack of knowledge about this Castiel guy. No matter how much he liked Charlie, he hadn't exactly offered to join the study to make friends. And sure as hell not out of love for anthropology. He had simply wandered by a flyer last week on the south side lawn, a flyer now folded and crumpled on his kitchen table at home. Super awesome anthro-PhD candidate seeking alphas and omegas. For my dissertation project, I'm conducting a cultural and communicative case study analyzing the impact of alpha-omega dynamics and nonverbal communication. Subjects must be willing to alter communication habits and safely adjust your chemistry, i.e. blockers. Requirements, alpha or omega, over the age of 18, unmated, willing to submit a DNA sample, prepared to spend several hours each week for four months dedicated to this study. I can work around your schedule. Serious inquiries only. See Bradbury at stanford.edu. Generous cash stipends are offered through the Department of Anthropology for subjects who successfully complete the study. If Dean was being honest which he'd been doing for 23 years on God's green earth. He didn't give a fuck about the cultural understanding of alpha and omega dynamics. Jesus, he did not. If anything, he was tired of talking about his secondary gender. Who cared if he had been born an omega in society where 70% of the population was beta? It was a random-ass biological fluke. He was tired of omegas and alphas being romanticized little unicorns that everyone wanted to study and discuss and eventually take to bed. Well, actually, that last thing had worked out in his favor. Not that he needed any help in that department anyways, Omega or no. 
Ain't no skin off my nose, Doc. He waved his hands broadly and grinned. I told you, dude. Charlie scolded, amused. I'm not a doctor yet. Yeah, yeah. He glanced down at Charlie's clipboard curiously, and there it was. The same case study contract outlining a four-month timeline. But instead of his signature, this one was signed by the mystery man, Castiel, in cursive letters that were elegantly messy. Hmm, Dean thought. Dude's got decent penmanship. He clapped his hands together, looking at Charlie expectantly. So what happens now? So far, this whole process seemed pretty damn easy. He was going to get a bunch of money just for sitting in a room with some guy for a few months. Well, not a bunch, but still. Every little bit helped when you and your brainiac little brother were making a new life for yourselves on the West Coast. Now you take... She reached into the bag slung on her shoulder, pulling out an aerosol spray can. Damn. The part of this whole thing Dean was least looking forward to. This bottle. And spray yourself up good. Dean angled the nozzle towards him, frowning. How long we wearing blockers? Uh, to be determined, Charlie answered vaguely. There are several different variables that I won't know until the study begins. Actually, there was a similar outlier in the infamous Alpha Scenting case study of 09. Dean decided right about then to tune out of the conversation, because, yeah, Charlie was great, but this was getting into Sammy territory. Thankfully, this didn't feel as awkward as submitting the slick sample Charlie had requested, but then again, he was always up for a round of scientific masturbating. Fucking with the literal chemistry of his body was a whole nother thing, but he sprayed himself thoroughly with the blockers regardless. When he finally blinked back into conscious, Charlie was saying, That's the most important rule, you know? Uh, yeah. He wondered if he could just go along with it, but then remembered what the flyer said. You only got paid when you completed the whole study successfully, and decided it was worth risking his pride. Actually, can you repeat that? Charlie sighed softly. The biggest thing to remember during the study is no talking, Dean. Okay? You and Castiel cannot speak to each other. Like, ever. Promise? Promise, Dean said easily. Good, because if you skew my results, I'll kick your ass. She nudged his elbow playfully, but Dean knew she meant it. But the twist is, I'm sure you remember, is that you're responsible for finding out as much info as you can about each other. You'll take notes at the end of each session and occasionally debrief with me. Got it. They'd had longer versions of this conversation already, once over email and twice in person. He wasn't sure why Charlie was repeating herself, but supposed it was the first day and he hadn't been paying great attention so far. If he was going to do this right and snag a paycheck, he had to follow the rules, no matter how fucking strange. Awesomeness. Just let me turn my cameras on and I'll head out and send Castiel in. She shuffled the clipboard under her arm, then pulled a tiny tripod and camera from her bag. She placed it on the table, fiddling with the controls, then used a slender remote to turn on the equipment she had positioned in each corner of the room. She placed a small digital clock in the middle of the desk, and explained they could use this to measure time and stagger their exits. Dean just stood back, impressed. She was clearly a tech geek. Maybe she could help him with his iPhone at some point. There were at least half a dozen apps that he still had no idea quite how to use, and Sammy always made fun of him any time he asked for help. Mega nerd, little brother. Charlie finished up and headed towards the door. 
Before she turned the knob, she regarded him again. Okay, Dean, once more with feeling. What are you not doing? Talking, Dean said flatly. Because, yeah, maybe he wasn't the most attentive listener, but he could follow some simple instructions. Keeping his trap shut. It'd be hard, sure, but he could do it. Are you coming back first? Nope. Until the case study wraps, I can't be in the same room with you two at the same time. And neither can either of you. Meet up outside of the study, I mean. Want to give me that again? Dean had taken a seat at the table, folding his hands on the surface. I'll meet up with each of you in private, but never together, and you'll never meet with Castiel outside of this room, because it'll ruin my study and make me cry, like legit tears. Despite her words, she smiled at him broadly. No extra contact, inside or outside this room. Got it? Aye, aye, Captain. Dean gave her a sarcastic half-salute for good measure, and she grinned wryly, then spun on her heels and closed the door behind her. Dean slumped in his seat, already feeling bored, wondering if he should pull out his notepad and pen. But no, Charlie had told him to only take notes after his interaction with the guy. Castiel, or whatever the hell his name was. The study had no maximum age, so the dude was almost definitely some elderly professor guy with nothing better to do with his summer. That was fine as far as Dean was concerned. It's not that he was planning to phone it in, per se, but he had enough going on without putting too much time or effort in this weird little experiment. He would come drop in for the weekly sessions, whatever, but he'd probably spend the whole time daydreaming about driving down country roads and baby or trying out a new pie recipe. With that positive thought bouncing around in his brain, the door creaked open. Dean glanced up and... His jaw dropped. Noticeably. Outrageously. Because walking towards him was the most gorgeous alpha Dean had ever seen. Castiel was shorter than him, but not by much. A few inches, maybe. His hair was dark brown and tousled, cheekbones high. His nose was slightly wide at the bottom, but Dean thought it suited him well. The edges of his face were slim yet rounded, and his entire body was lean and long. At first glance, he was just incredibly attractive. But then Dean made eye contact with him, a vivid, deep shade of blue. And the stranger went from super freaking hot to holy mother of fucking God, that's the most attractive man I've ever seen. A mumbled, hey there, was on the edge of Dean's lips, but he caught it just in time, clearing his throat instead. This was definitely the kind of dude he would proposition at a bar for a one-night stand, or a two-night stand, hell, any amount of nights this guy was offering Dean was willing to take. Instead, he'd be sitting in the same room with him for hours on end, never allowed to say a word. Shit. Castiel, who had been frozen in the doorway for whatever reason, finally closed the door behind him. For all his innate hotness, the dude didn't have much going for him in the style department. Slacks, suit jacket, trench coat. Seriously, what early to mid-twenty-something wore a goddamn trench coat? If Dean had to make a judgment call, he'd guess he was too old to be an undergrad but too young to be a full professor. Maybe a grad student like Charlie? Or a freshly degreed adjunct that the university was sucking dry? Castiel pulled out the chair opposite from Dean and sat down with a stiff tug. His messenger bag fell to his feet, and in the quiet room it sounded raucously loud, resounding on the floor. They both smiled at each other companionably, sharing the same awkward expression, 
Dean hadn't sat in a quiet room for, damn, several years, since he last took a test in high school. And even then, there were other things to focus on, the other sounds coming from the other people in the room, the rustling of papers, the whispers of students, the stray sneeze or cough coming from a nearby desk. He had never been in face-to-face -face silence with someone that was intentional, that was fixated on another person completely. He examined Castiel's face and found his own emotions reflected there. Hesitation. Nerves. He leaned into his seat, trying to look casual. Castiel followed the movement, and Dean grinned, shrugging as if to say, This is weird, right? Castiel nodded in understanding, then faltered. Were they allowed to nod or shake their heads? Fuck, that would be a question for Charlie to answer later. Dean continued looking at Castiel. There were small indents on the bridge of his nose. Maybe he wore reading glasses? Dean thought back to the noisy thunk that had been Castiel's book bag falling to the floor. Heavy books, obviously. Either he had some hefty textbooks he was carting around, or he had to read a fuckton of different stuff for class. Sam had just started a summer course, an American lit survey or something, and had practically packed his books in a suitcase to carry all those fuckers home. Maybe Castiel could relate? Stepping back into the present, he realized the man across the table was staring at him intently. Dean squirmed in his seat, wondering what the Alpha was noticing about him. He had stopped by straight from work, so his navy blue trousers were damp with cooled sweat, his form-fitting t-shirt grubby with dirt. Dean flushed, feeling embarrassed. No way a smarty pants like this goddamn dreamboat would ever consider going out with Dean, case study or not. Somehow Castiel seemed to sense Dean's discomfort, his eyes shifting from his work uniform to Dean's face, the gaze gentle and encouraging. With little else to do, Dean stared back. The exchange was deep and concentrated, strangely unblinking, and the depth of the silence was suddenly making Dean sweat. How the actual fuck would he survive four months of this? He wondered desperately what the Alpha's scent was. Most of the world walked around without a scent, a typical effect of being born beta. But Alphas and Omegas were different the very essence of their gender tied to a unique fragrance, their emotions evident in the subtle notes of their aroma. Scenting was partially what drew alphas and omegas to each other, or conversely, what killed an otherwise perfect match. Dean usually dated betas. It was 70% of the dating pool, after all. But he had been on dates with an alpha or two. He had enjoyed Aaron's scent, musty like a library book. But there had been no chemistry so they had never gotten past their third date. Last year, he had met Amara online, and even though she was smoking hot in her pictures, when they had finally met, her bitter scent had made Dean nauseous. They had almost immediately agreed to stop seeing each other. Having no fucking hint or clue what Castiel smelled like, that might just drive Dean crazy. He crossed his arms, thinking about how little detail Charlie had given him about the study about what exactly she was studying when it came to alphas and omegas. On one hand, it made sense. If he knew too much about it, he might end up ruining her project. But on the other hand, he knew the scent blockers they were swimming in might be his biggest clue. Dean decided that this would either be a colossal display of self-control or a huge fuck-up on Dean's part. It was honestly a toss-up at this point, because as much as Dean liked Charlie... 
There was no way he wouldn't try his damnedest to get horizontal with this alpha the moment this months-long game of Quiet Mouse was over. Wishing gave me a number Wish I could call you today Just to hear a voice I got a long way to go Getting further away If I didn't know the difference Living alone probably be okay It wouldn't be lonely I got a long way to go I'm getting further away Normally, Dean would walk to bumfuck Egypt just to retrieve his car from the staff parking lot. But the spring semester had ended three days ago, and along with it, the attendance of most students. Or, as he liked to refer to them in his head, the trust fund babies. Dean could already tell he would like working on campus in the summer. It was quiet, for one, and a hell of a lot less busy. An hour ago, he had driven his 67 Impala right up to the main quad, parking in a service spot by Memorial Church, just a quick walk up to Building 50. Exiting the anthropology department now, flustered and a little dazed, the proximity of baby was the only thing grounding him. He opened his car door and put his key in the ignition, staring straight ahead, unwilling to move. He really should get going, though. Charlie had explained beforehand that he and Castiel would leave at different times, so they didn't run into each other in the wild. Her words, not his. She'd instructed Dean to leave the moment the clock was at half-past five, and as much as he didn't want to leave Cass's company, the intensity of the whole situation had already started to wear on him. That had been the longest, most stressful, most amazing 32 minutes of his life, and he needed time to process it all. But he also had to write down his notes on the session, per Charlie's instructions, before his impression of Castiel faded into memory. So he put Baby in reverse and drove a few blocks to a local bakery that he and Sammy had begun to frequent. He ordered himself a slice of black licorice pie. Hey, don't knock it till you try it. Paired with a cup of coffee. The chatty guy who worked behind the counter convinced Dean to order a peanut butter and banana cupcake for Sam to go. Since Sam had taken a liking to them on the rare days he allowed himself off the rabbit food diet. He would likely refuse the treat whenever Dean brought it home. But the kid had been worrying himself sick, waiting for his final exam grades to come in. Dean reckoned he deserved a distraction or two. Once the cashier finally left Dean alone to his thoughts, the guy was funny and snarky, but so not Dean's type. He settled into his chair, pulled up the notes app on his phone, and began thinking about Castiel. He wasn't quite sure what sort of details Charlie wanted him to mention about their first session, so rather than being guarded or reserved, he wrote out everything. Everything. He started by describing Castiel, the hair, the lips, the eyes... He tried to convey the smaller things he had noticed, the upturned smile he gave with awkward uncertainty, the sight of his long, slender fingers clasped together on the table, the genuine apology and subsequent amusement on his face after Dean had tripped on the strap of Castiel's messenger bag, stumbling clumsily in his race out the door. Good fucking looks aside, Dean already liked Castiel, honest to God, and he couldn't understand why. The man hadn't seemed unusually open or outgoing, 
So Dean typed out words like shy and timid before shaking his head. No, that wasn't right. He replaced them with coy and kind and self-assured, and he felt much better about that assessment. He mentioned his observation about the books, hypothesizing that Castiel was probably a grad student with a high reading workload, maybe something like English or literature. His bizarre attire could make him an adjunct professor, sure, but Dean figured the trench coat was probably just a personality quirk, the kind of thing Castiel would wear regardless of the setting, because he was kind of badass and nerdy that way. Dean reread his notes, made a few changes for clarity, and, feeling satisfied that he had at least scratched the surface on getting closer to understanding the hottest dude in existence, copy and pasted his jumbled list into an email for Charlie. Once it was sent, he stood up, shaking the flakes of pie crust off his shirt and headed for the door. Hold up there, handsome. Damn the cashier again. The guy was a little on the short side, with long brown hair and a freshly shaven face. He seemed nice enough, but again, Dean wasn't interested. Look, dude, he started, holding Sam's neatly boxed cupcake in one hand and his car keys in the other. I'm flattered and all, but... The guy tossed a rag over his shoulder, laughing. <laughs> Don't flatter yourself, bow-legged beauty. I'm happily taken. Just wondering if you are. Bit personal, dude. Dean cleared his throat, surprised. I know we come here a lot, but I don't even know your name. Gabriel. The man reached over the counter, offering his hand to shake. Dean looked between the outstretched hand and the door and took a sidestep, shaking Gabriel's hand hesitantly. Before Dean could offer up his own name, Gabriel continued. Here's the sitch. I got a cute little baby bro who's picky as all get out but he has a holy tax accountant vibe that most people seem to dig. At the moment, he has this friends with Benny's type girl, but he's ready for something more. If you bat for his team, stick around and meet him. He's dropping by in a few. Dean molded over. He technically already had a date tonight with a woman named Lisa, a front office associate for building and grounds he had been casually flirting with for weeks. They were meeting up for drinks at the roadhouse, and two hours ago he'd been looking forward to it. But now he felt strangely muddled and uncertain. Appreciate it, man, but I already got a date tonight. He shrugged as if the situation couldn't be helped. And even if I didn't, I'm not really looking for anything serious. Gabriel looked strangely disappointed, though his tone was dismissively chipper. Hey, I get it. The bachelor lifestyle is hard to give up. If Callie hadn't threatened me with an inch of my life to finally settle down, I'd probably be doing the same. Sounds like a real love connection, Dean said, not bothering to keep the sarcasm at bay. Oh, it was. Gabriel either hadn't picked up on Dean's tone of voice or was tactfully ignoring it. It was like, you ever meet someone and connect just like that? He snapped his fingers as if Dean needed a demonstration. Not really. I don't know. But Dean did know, because Cass's face appeared in his mind, lit up like he was sitting under a spotlight. You will one day, being an Omega. Gabriel trailed off, probably realizing it was majorly rude to bring up a stranger's secondary gender without prompting, especially since almost everyone, Gabriel included, was Beta. It always annoyed Dean that Randos thought they could bring it up casually, all Omega this and Omega that, but he liked Gabriel okay. 
He nodded, signaling the man could continue. Well, you probably know the stories better than me, Gabriel admitted. Betos don't get the one true mate speech. Oh, yeah, I've heard plenty of that. Dean couldn't keep the bitterness from seeping into his voice. To some people, I'm just a sweet, innocent Omega waiting for my Alpha to let down his hair and save me from the dragon or what the hell ever. Wow, Gabriel said, chuckling. You just mixed up, like, three different fairy tales. That's impressive. Whatever. Point is, Dean continued impatiently. I don't really buy into that whole Omega and Alpha true mate bullshit. It was a practiced speech, one that he had given in parties and dates, at home and work, at every available opportunity. Dean valued his free will, so not even his biology could force him into a relationship he didn't want to pursue. But a smaller, more honest part of his brain reminded him that he was weirdly transfixed after just meeting Castiel today. He was probably reading too much into it. He hadn't exactly jumped across the table, begging for a knot and a bite mark. Their first meeting was nothing like the Alpha and Omega porn he would watch once in a blue moon, all animalistic and wild. But they had both been wearing blockers, which certainly made them more like normal people rather than ravenous sex fiends. But still, for whatever fucking reason, Dean couldn't seem to get the Alpha out of his head. Hold that thought. The baby bro's coming in the back. We have fraternity business to discuss. Gabriel ducked his head, opening the kitchen door wide. Uh-oh, this was definitely Dean's clue to leave. He had enough to worry about. Last thing he wanted was to get stuck in an awkward, impromptu blind date with Gabriel's brother, who apparently was in a Stanford fraternity along with Gabe. No fucking thanks. I gotta head out, man. Sammy's probably dug a hole to China by now, freaking out about his exams. He turned, jiggling his eyes. Maybe next time. He didn't wait for Gabriel's reply, only waved a quick hand in the air before strutting down the sidewalk, searching for his car. A lot of hours to occupy, it was easy when I didn't know you yet, things I'd have to Six hours later, after going home to shower and change, checking in on Sammy, picking up Lisa, going to the roadhouse, then driving her back home, Dean was finally, finally home for the night. Whoa, Sam said, eyeing him from the couch as Dean closed the front door. Sam had a literature book tucked in his lap and a yellow highlighter in his hand. First date and you're back by ten? Shut up, Dean mumbled flippantly kicking off his shoes and shuffling into the kitchen for a beer. He had been on his best date behavior, only having one glass of whiskey the whole night, and the minuscule buzz had left his system hours ago. He plopped down beside Sam on the couch, accidentally sitting on a copy of Sam's literature syllabus, much to Sam's dismay. Well, you either really like her or don't like her at all. Sam observed, wedging a finger into his tome of a schoolbook so he wouldn't lose his place. Dean only shrugged, and Sammy frowned. So, the latter, huh? She's sweet and cute, but I don't know. Dean sighed and reached towards the coffee table for the remote control, which was effectively buried under the contents of Sam's backpack. There wasn't really a spark. Sam chuckled in disbelief. 
Since when does Dean Winchester require a spark for a one-night stand? Hey, Dean complained, flipping through the TV guide. Sex isn't all I think about, you know. The slight edge to his voice made Sam turn quiet and settle further into the couch. Dean looked sideways at his brother, forcing an apologetic smile on his face. He'd had a long and weird day, but that wasn't Sammy's fault. He tilted his head towards the TV, Sam following his gaze. What do you think, Daphne or Dr. Sexy? Any possibility of tension slipped from his 18-year-old brother's face, and he grinned in amusement. Those are both your fictional crushes, dude. You pick. Fair enough. Dean was feeling nostalgic, spending a Friday night planted on the couch with Sammy. So he picked an old episode of Scooby-Doo. He grimaced when Fred's annoying face immediately filled the screen. Daphne could do so much better, he grumbled, taking a long sip of his beer. Hey, Sam said abruptly as if a thought had just occurred to him. How'd that case study go today? You barely mentioned it earlier. Dean stiffened. He had intentionally avoided telling Sam about it, the perceptive little shit, who he'd do anything for, but that was beside the point. Dean still needed to sweep all his mixed emotions under the rug before discussing it, and he had hoped that his date with Lisa would be enough of a distraction. Unfortunately, it had done the opposite. He had more chemistry not talking to Castiel than he did after hours of talking and drinking with Lisa. It was fine, he mumbled briskly, then turned up the volume and eased further into the sofa. He zoned out for a few minutes, chuckling to himself. He loved this goddamn talking dog and had zero embarrassment about the fact. That's descriptive, Sam muttered derisively. Dean turned his head sideways, trying to find some detail to mention that would pacify Sam. He had to remind himself that his prodigy of a brother was obviously just interested in the science of it all, and Dean couldn't fault him for being curious. It was weird, sitting in silence for so long, Dean offered vaguely. Like, awkward? Sam stood up, heading straight for the pantry. He came back with a bag of veggie straws, which Dean had long ago decreed pointless sticks of crunchy air. Still, he kept Sam's snack stash in permanent rotation on their grocery list. Not really, just intense. Dean knew he was being ambiguous, but really it was the best he could do under the circumstances. Sam nodded understandingly, placated for the moment. So it's a half an hour once a week? Sam crunched a large handful of his snack and Dean had an overwhelming hankering for real chips. He knew there were some in the pantry, but that would require things like moving, and he was perfectly comfortable at the moment. Yep, every Friday, all summer long. He closed his eyes and leaned into the couch, letting his head fall heavy. He had a whole week before he saw Castiel again, and the thought left him disappointed and nervous and relieved all at once. It was a weird confliction, and combined with the constant somersaults in his stomach any time he pictured the guy, led Dean to one god-awful conclusion. After just 30 minutes of staring into Castiel's eyes, Dean Winchester had a crush. One that he couldn't do anything about. Sam laughed then, pointing at the TV. Dean blinked himself back into awareness watching Shaggy and Scooby frantically paddle across a lake as a phantom followed close behind. You'd think they'd eventually realize their escape attempts never work, 
Sam mused, grinning. Yep, Dean said quietly, tone somewhat wistful, hoping another beer might scrub the image of Castiel from his brain. Some things you just can't run from. But I better be quiet now Tired of wasting my breath Carrying on Getting upset Chapter 2, June Castiel was not thinking about Dean whatever his last name was. No, he was not. He, without a doubt, with certainty, was not thinking about. Hey, Earth to Clarence. Meg dragged her lips over the slope of Castiel's neck, nipping energetically at the tender skin. I'm doing my best work here, and you're on planet hot dude from the case study. I am not, Castiel grumbled. He pulled away, giving himself more space on the futon. Why he let Gabriel convince him to attend these ridiculous Thirsty Thursday parties every week was beyond him. More to the point, he was a member of this fraternity because it looked good on his resume and it appeased Gabe. His brother was the only member of his family that Castiel kept in touch with, so it had seemed worth it at the time to volunteer as the frat secretary, pay his semester dues regularly, and show his face at the parties. Parties where he'd always been content to mess around with his friends with benefit, fellow grad student Mag but that had been before Dean. After four torturously silent weeks, Castiel was living squarely in the during-Dean era of his life, and thus far it had been absolute hell. All the stolen glances, the all-out staring, the subtle shifts of their bodies as they attempted to explore each other without words. It was exciting, intoxicating, thrilling, and hell all the same. Castiel had never wanted someone more in his entire life. You should have picked a way to get service hours that made you less cranky, Meg complained, referring to the frat's required ten hours of community service each semester. In absence of making out, which she had failed to coax out of him all night, Meg snatched the red solo cup from Castiel's hand and took a long drink. You could have walked dogs or played cards with old ladies. Knocked out all your hours in a few weekends. Instead, you had to give some rando a sample of your sperm before you were even approved. Now you're spending all summer staring at a major Omega hottie and foaming at the mouth. Can we just... Castiel shut his eyes tight, hoping it might help clear his head. Talk about something else. Ooh, you've got the I-get-to-see-Dean-tomorrow jitters. Like every other Thursday. Gotcha. When Castiel cracked his eyes open again, Meg was grinning teasingly, nudging his shoulder. There was obscenely worded hip-hop ricocheting loudly up the staircase, and Castiel could feel the vibrations through the floorboards. He thought that Gabriel would scale back a bit during the summer, but there was enough Greek life on campus during breaks that Castiel now realized he would never escape it. Gabe and Collie loved a good party so much they essentially were the party. I get it, though, Meg mused, adjusting herself on the futon until her feet were resting in Castiel's lap. If I met a sweet-ass Omega, I'd want to tap the hell out of that. Meg was one of the only other alphas Castiel knew. 
It was essentially the only reason he had confided in her about Dean to begin with. He figured, as someone with the same secondary gender, maybe he could find support and understanding from Meg about his predicament. Unfortunately, as the idiom went, he had been barking up the wrong tree. Don't talk about him like that, he snapped. He felt Meg grow tense, pulling her feet out of his lap and drawing them to her chest. Castiel took a deep breath, hoping his next words would come out more calmly. I just... I don't want to come across as some alpha knothead. I haven't even scented him, so it's not about him being an Omega. It's about him as a person and how he's... Funny, charming, considerate, Meg repeated flatly. Castiel flushed, not realizing he had talked about Dean quite this much already. It's romantic and all, Clarence, but how can you learn that much about a person without exchanging a damn word? How do you know you're not projecting who you want this guy to be just because he's hottie McHot pants? Meg had a good point, and Castiel knew it. She could be smart and perceptive whenever she let her guard down enough to show it. I know it doesn't make sense, okay, but I feel like I know him. Castiel sighed, head in hands, elbows planted on his knees. I sound like an insane person. You sound like a person who needs to get laid. She slumped forward, eye makeup dark and smoky, dragging a thumb across Castiel's bottom lip. How about it, Professor? Word in the hallways is my blowjobs are always A+. Castiel chuckled, waving her off good-naturedly. A month ago, he would have leapt at the chance, but now... You're the one with the student-teacher kink, not me. He reminded her gently. I have actual students who I have to face three times a week. For Meg's graduate assistantship, rather than teaching, she was in charge of the department's literary journal. I don't know how you do it, she speculated, collapsing solidly against the couch. Literature is fucking sexy. All those metaphors and similes. She stretched, her back arched, and raised an eyebrow. Hemingway does have one of the most effective descriptions of a simultaneous orgasm, Castiel noted conversationally. We're discussing the passage next week in class. See? Meg pointed at him victoriously. All the more reason for you to fuck case study guy. Like yesterday, preferably somewhere public, so I can watch. She winked outlandishly, but before Castiel could reply, she held a finger up. On that note, I've been meaning to ask. This thing we're doing, you and me, it's... The implication of something being over was simmering, masked in her tone, and Castiel nodded. I'm afraid so he said. It had been a fun run, but he was in a much different place now than when they had started messing around in the fall. You are my best friend, though. Good to know, she replied breezily, though Castiel wasn't sure if she was referring to their new platonic friend zone situation or the fact that Castiel had just declared them best friends. Either way, she gulped whatever was remaining in their shared solo cup, then stood up, face smooth and determined. Time to go back on the hunt, then. Hmm, Castiel said sympathetically. 
I hear Alfie is single. Meg cackled roarously. Oh, Clarence. Think he can handle you? Castiel meant it as a rhetorical question, because no, there was no way Alfie could keep up. Meg opened the door, sandals dragging across the hard wood, her expression dark and mischievous. Only one way to find out. Maybe I have a problem, but that's not what I wanted to say. I prefer to say nothing. I got a long way to go. I'm getting further away. The next day's session with Dean made Castiel feel as though he was holding his breath for 30 continuous minutes. Just being in the Omega's presence made his body feel taut and edgy. As if he was on the right track being around Dean, but something was still missing. Honestly, when it came to their interactions, many things were missing. For a month, they had relied entirely on sight in order to learn about each other. And while Castiel had surmised quite a bit from Dean's body movements, eye contact, posture, and gestures, it wasn't enough. There was a tiny part of his consciousness that knew it would never be enough. That was in the very nature of having a crush. Still, Castiel used the rationale of scientific exploration when he stood up suddenly, in the middle of their otherwise tensely familiar session. Dean, whose expression had been cheeky and elusive for fifteen minutes straight, glanced at Castiel in surprise. They had never done this before, crossed the boundary of the table, and it felt bold and brash on Castiel's part. Trying to find a way to explain he was only invading Dean's personal space for, uh, scientific reasons, Castiel caught his eye and then tapped his temple. Dean squinted in confusion, then either seemed to understand or blindly trust Castiel's intentions, moving his chair over to the side. Catching the invitation, Castiel picked up his own chair and placed it beside Dean's. Like all other sounds in the otherwise quiet room, the shuffle of wood against concrete jolted them both. Castiel had become much more sensitive to noise lately, seeking silence out whenever he was alone and trying not to think too closely on why it comforted him. There were things that Castiel had learned about the Omega over the past few weeks. For instance, the grubby work attire obviously meant Dean spent most of the day laboring outside. But once he finally took a seat beside him, both turning to face each other, the scent of nature was even more palpable. Dean smelled earthy and rich, and Castiel reached for the other man's hand before realizing it, examining the small scratches and cuts on Dean's palm. Dean's breath became more labored at the contact, their first real touch but he didn't jerk away. Castiel brushed his thumb across the thin scratches, mulling them over like a clue. He had seen similar marks on his mother's hands after she finished gardening. He looked up triumphant. Dean probably worked for the building and grounds on campus. Castiel was sure of it. He was also undoubtedly given gloves to wear, but obviously refused to wear them at times. Stubborn and tough, Castiel thought. Dean was undoubtedly both. Castiel couldn't bring himself to drop the man's hand, yearning to scent every inch of the unwaveringly gorgeous Omega. He stifled a growl then, just thinking about the scent blockers. He hated wearing them, hated that Dean had to wear them. 
He had never wanted to scent a single person so fiercely, so viscerally in his life. As if reading Castiel's thoughts, Dean seemed to unconsciously, or consciously, tilt his head to the side, elbow on the table and head resting in his unclaimed palm. It was an invitation for scenting, a biological welcome sign. More than anything, Castiel wanted to wet his lips and drag them across the muscular slope of Dean's stunning unmated skin, leaving bruises, nips, and kisses. Then Castiel's stomach growled loudly in the empty room, making him flush in embarrassment. Oops. He had skipped lunch today and it audibly showed. Dean only chuckled, the sound easygoing and unruffled. He pulled his hand away, much to Castiel's disappointment, but then kneeled beside his chair. He came back up with a brown paper sack rolled at the top and extracted a partially smushed sandwich diagonally cut. Castiel watched in near amazement as Dean opened the plastic baggie and offered Castiel half. Figuring it would be more rude to refuse and feeling genuinely hungry, he took a half. They cheersed their snack together at Dean's insistence, lovable dork that he was, and Castiel took a tentative bite. It was a PB&J sandwich with jelly, not jam, Castiel's favorite. And then they sat together side by side, knees and shoulders occasionally brushing, until it was time to leave. They shared a small frown of goodbye when parting, and Castiel left the room wondering if his crush wasn't quite as unrequited as he had imagined. The next week, Castiel conducted conferences with his students at the local bakery near campus. Gabriel worked there part-time, so the flow of free coffee and pastries was always present. Plus, his students seemed to open up more in a non-academic setting. And when discussing paper topics for their final portfolio, he liked to encourage an open dialogue. Today, he was meeting individually with the students in his American Lit Survey class, largely freshmen transitioning into their sophomore year come fall. Around lunchtime, he met with Jessica Moore, a sweet and unassuming girl whose analysis of Sylvia Plath's Ariel gave him thoughtful pause. After an incredibly heartening 20-minute discussion, she was certainly one of the brighter students in class, the six previous students haven't even settled on a topic yet, she said goodbye, passing Sam Winchester and blushing as she went. Castile didn't like to get involved or even be aware of student romances, but thanks to his burgeoning feelings for the mysterious Omega Dean, which were making him uncharacteristically saccharine, he decided that he would pair Jessica and Sam up on the upcoming group project. Someone should have a shot at a normal love life, even if it wasn't Castiel. I'm so sorry I'm late, Professor Novak, Sam said in a rush, taking the seat Jessica had just occupied. Sometimes I meet my brother for lunch, and we went off campus, but then he couldn't find anywhere close enough to park, so he had to drop me off. You're a big hunk of a brother, huh? Gabriel called from the counter. Castiel fought the urge to roll his eyes. His brother's nosiness knew no bounds. Can you not bother my students while we're conferencing, Gabriel? He said tightly. Sam looked taken aback, so Castiel sighed, clarifying. 
Apologies, Sam. This is my older brother, Gabriel. I know our dear boy, Sammy, Gabriel said, wiping his flowered hands on the front of his apron. With no customers around, he came from behind the counter and perched himself casually against the wall. He and his brother stopped by once in a while. You remember Cassie, that cute little Omega I was trying to set you up with? Gabriel, Castiel said sharply, a warning in his tone. He was mortified that his brother was talking about his student's brother in this way, during a student conference, no less. I actually think that's a good idea, Sam said thoughtfully. Though he was only a freshman, Sam was uncharacteristically mature for his age and always had incredibly perceptive insights to offer in class. I think you're awesome, Professor Novak. You two might actually hit it off. Castiel gave his student a small, patient smile. Thank you, Sam, but I'm not sure it's appropriate for me to pursue a relationship with one of your family members while you're still my student. And I'm sort of already smitten with someone I barely know. You're missing out, baby bro, Gabriel warned, wagging his finger. He's tall, mouthy, dreamy, just like you like him. Castiel shook his head, awash with frustration. He had only allotted 20 minutes for each conference, and Gabriel had taken up half of Sam's time making tasteless comments about his brother. You're about to be short, silent, and permanently in the ground if you don't end this senseless conversation, he growled. Gabriel put his hands up in silent surrender and went back to the counter, though he muttered under his breath, Somebody's being an alpha asshat today. Castiel couldn't stop the smirk from forming on his lips. His brother might be older than him, but Castiel had never been one to let himself be walked all over. His brothers Michael and Lucifer had tested his resolve for years, but he'd refused to back down even when he informed them about his plans to pursue teaching instead of joining the lucrative family business. Once he enrolled in Stanford's Ph.D. program and his family realized how serious he was, Castiel had been effectively cut off from the Novak family funds. This was another reason why he enrolled in the case study. A grad school budget was tight, and every little bit helped. I apologize again for the disruption, Castiel said ruefully, taking a long sip from his mug. If I remember correctly, you were considering a movable feast for your term paper? Definitely, Sam said excitedly, pulling an outline from his backpack. So get this. Had a dream as an army man with an order Just to march in my place While a dead enemy screams in my The rest of Castiel's week passed in an unremarkable fashion. He continued his preparations on the Hemingway unit, began considering potential topics for his own thesis and spent the usual Thursday night fraternity party watching Meg and Alfie make out. Rather distastefully, he'd add. By the time Friday afternoon rolled around again, Castiel hadn't been able to keep Dean out of his mind. He arrived in Building 50 almost an hour early. 
He always had some time to kill on Fridays, between teaching his two o'clock American Lit class and his five o'clock session with Dean. Today's class had been particularly lively, and he was pleased that his students were enjoying Hemingway's more provocative writing. Though Castiel usually taught outside of the classroom canon whenever possible, everyone had read their fair share of straight white male authors. He still had a particular fondness for Hemingway and Faulkner. He always managed to squeeze them into one unit, even in a rush summer course like this. To spend his time wisely, he retreated into their usual meeting room and spread out a stack of ungraded quizzes, along with his grade book and the novel split open. The passage in question highlighted in yellow and marked with Castiel's marginal comments. Forty minutes later, his reading glasses were slipped to the edge of his nose, and he was in an excellent grading rhythm whenever the door cracked open. Castiel looked up, panicked. Dean was early, by nearly twenty minutes. It had been over a month, and Dean had never been early. Castiel meant to pack up his belongings and have them safely tucked away by the time their session began. He shuffled his papers frantically, searching for his folder. The gesture knocked over his cup of coffee, the contents spilling all over the jacketed edition of For Whom the Bell Tolls. Dean jumped immediately into action, pulling a greased rag from the deep pockets of his work trousers and wiping the sleeve clean. Almost unconsciously, he flipped the book around, reading the page where it had been opened. Castiel attempted to protest, but then remembered. He couldn't physically tell him to stop. Surely they weren't supposed to exchange any form of writing, and that included print media, but Castiel was frozen and unsure. Dean was already reading, and Castiel watched him with wide eyes, knowing the passage by heart. With the sun shining on her hair, tawny as wheat, and on her gold-brown, smooth, lovely face, and on the curb of her throat, he bent her head back and held her to him and kissed her. He felt her trembling as he kissed her and he held the length of her body tight to him and felt her breast against his chest through the two khaki shirts. He felt them small and firm and he reached and undid the buttons on her shirt and bent and kissed her and she stood shivering, holding her head back, his arm behind her. Then she dropped her chin to his head and he felt her hands holding his head and rocking it against her. He straightened and with his two arms around her, he held her so tightly that she was lifted off the ground, tight against him, and he felt her trembling and then her lips were on his throat, and then he put her down and said, Maria, oh, my Maria. Then he said, where should we go? She did not say anything, but slipped her hand inside of his shirt, and he felt her undoing the shirt buttons, and she said, you too, I want a kiss too. Then there was the smell of heather crushed and the roughness of the bent stalks under her head and the sun bright on her closed eyes and all his life he would remember the curve of her throat with her head pushed back into the heather roots and her lips that moved smallly and by themselves and the fluttering of the lashes on her eyes tight closed against the sun and against everything. And for her everything was red, orange, gold red from the sun on the closed eyes and all of it was that color. All of it, the filling, the possessing, the having, all of that color, all in a blindness of that color. For him it was a dark passage which led to nowhere, then to nowhere, then again to nowhere, once again to nowhere, always and forever to nowhere. Heavy on the elbows and the earth to nowhere. Dark, never any end to nowhere. 
hung on all time always to unknowing nowhere, this time and again for always to nowhere, now not to be born once again always into nowhere, now beyond all bearing up, up, up and into nowhere, suddenly, scaldingly, holding all nowhere gone, and time absolutely still, and they were both there, time having stopped, and he felt the earth move out and away from under them. Castile couldn't look away. He stared unapologetically as Dean's face went from curious to intrigued to absolutely flushed, and he couldn't even fumble out an apology or an explanation, couldn't justify any of this. When Dean finally finished, he pulled the book down from his line of vision and regarded Castiel fully. He was blushing, that much was evident, but he still took a step closer to Castiel. He tipped the book forward, the edge of the hardcover touching the fabric of Castiel's suit jacket, and Castiel wrapped his hand around the bottom, brushing Dean's hand. Dean gasped softly, and Castiel could feel the hammer of his heartbeat a sudden acceleration occurring once they touched. They stood that way for longer than Castiel cared to admit, holding the book in each other's hands by extension, immobile and staring and entirely transparent about their intentions. Castiel was positioned unconsciously with his legs spread apart, lips parted and waiting. Dean lowered his eyelashes and gazed at Castiel with a lilt of hopefulness, of urgency. His eyes were just so incredibly, impossibly green, and Castiel felt swallowed in by them, felt like time was just a concept around Dean, because it was moving fast and slow and static all at once. Dean licked his lips and Castiel shifted closer, tracking the sliver of tongue as it wetted Dean's pursed lips. Then his hand was inching upwards and towards Dean's chin, ready to touch and stroke and caress, and this was it. He was finally going to kiss the man he had spent four weeks obsessing over. And then there was a scream, or more accurately, a squeal. What are you two doing here so early? Charlie shouted, realizing she had essentially asked them both to speak. She quickly added, Don't answer that question! Cassiel lowered his hand and cleared his throat, dropping the book on the table with a thud. Just, uh, crap! Dean, come to my office and explain this. She gave Castiel a stay-put point of the finger, and he nodded obediently. Dean sighed, tucking his hands in his pocket nonchalantly, though Castiel wondered if that was just a way to calm his nerves. He shut the door behind him, and Castiel immediately collapsed into the chair, on the verge of panicking. They had almost kissed. Castiel had almost kissed Dean, and Charlie knew it. Wish I knew what you do
Thank you so much for your support. I can be contacted on Twitter, Tumblr, or at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening.